0: The following is a message from Christ the King Presbyterian Church in Roanoke, Virginia. For more information about the ministry of Christ the King, please visit us at ctkroanoke.org. Good morning. Oh, that's loud. Good morning. It is good to see you all today. Uh, My name is Andrew Martin. I'm the youth pastor here at Christ the King. And if I've never met you before, uh, I would love to meet you. Uh, And I also want to say welcome. We are so glad uh, that you are here with us uh, to worship this morning. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to be continuing our series in the book of Joshua. So please turn with me uh, to Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. And the passage we're in this morning is is telling the story of the Battle of Jericho. Now, it's a good story. It's also a long story. I'm not going to read the entire thing. Uh, But I will, as we go along, I'll provide summaries as is needed. So we're going to be beginning in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Please follow along with me as we read. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn... When you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. When verse six and moving forward, we see Joshua then takes these orders he's received. He delivers them to the people and then we see the people obey the Lord's commands, marching around the city one time a day for six days. And then we pick our story back up in verse 15 of chapter 6. "'On the seventh day they rose early at the dawn of day "'and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. "'It was only on that day "'that they marched around the city seven times. "'And at the seventh time, "'when the priests had blown the trumpets, "'Joshua said to the people, "'Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, "'and the city and all that is within it "'shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction.'" Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live. Because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction. Lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought out all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Joshua laid an oath on them at that time, saying, Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we thank you that you are good, and we thank you that you love us, and you, you give us your word uh, to guide us. Lord, we also know that, that we need your help, because there are many things we don't understand. And so we ask that you would meet us this morning through your spirit, help us to not only understand your word here in this story, but also to believe it, and to live it out as we seek to follow Jesus. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have um, been living in Roanoke for any period of time, or if you've ever come uh, to visit this area, you know that we are very blessed with a lot of natural beauty uh, surrounding us. We have these beautiful mountains around us, and one thing you can go do is you can go hike on some really beautiful trails out in the forest uh, that are not very far away from here. And if you've ever been hiking on a trail in this area or really in any area, you'll often find that many of these trails are marked with these trail markers. Now these aren't very complex, they're usually like just a a very simple stripe of paint. It might be blue or orange, something that you can see. And they're usually put on like a a tree or on a rock. And these these markers are put on these trails so that when hikers are out in the woods, they're able to, to follow the trail and not accidentally take a wrong turn where they might wander off the trail and get lost in the forest. These trail markers are there on the trail so that hikers can stay on the trail and reach their destination. And I imagine that many of us this morning could use a few trail markers as we try to navigate our way through this passage. Well, why might that be? As we're reading this story, uh, we see that this is a part of God's Word. It's in the Bible. It is giving us good truth that we need. And at the same time, there are some things in this passage that probably raise some questions in our minds. Things like verse 17 in chapter 6, where it says, And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Or if we look down in verse 21, we see, Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. We read these passages and passages like it. And we could very easily walk away with some very serious questions in our minds. Questions like, was the Lord ordering some kind of a war atrocity? Was he commanding like a a, a genocide or an an ethnic cleansing here? Or others, we might look at this passage and wonder, how on earth does the story of Jericho line up with the teaching of Jesus in the New Testament? They, They seem very different from one another. And the first thing I want to say is those are legitimate questions, and you should never be afraid to ask those questions. Those are questions that we should ask and that we should explore. At the same time, it would be very easy for us to take these questions and wander off the trail and get lost and miss the meaning of the story that we're looking at this morning. So here's what we're going to do. First of all, we're not going to be able to answer all of the questions we may have, and even the questions we do address, we won't cover those entirely. But I want to do three things before we dive in. The first is this. Our senior pastor, Penny, he let me know. He's actually written a a short paper on this topic, and he's going to be sending it out where you can can read and and learn some more about some of these questions that are asked. The second thing is I just want to open a door of invitation to you. If after this morning you're still wrestling with some questions, I would love to sit down and talk with you. I'd love to meet up. Maybe we could go for a walk or we could have a meal together. And we could just talk about these things and explore them together. And I'll let you know, you will not be alone because I wrestle with some of the things that we find in the Bible. The third thing we're going to do, though, is this. We're going to very briefly try and set up three trail markers this morning that are going to help us navigate these questions so that we can reach our destination, so that we can reach the meaning of this story without wandering off the trail. Is that all right? All right, here's what we're going to do. Trail trail marker number one, God's judgment on sin. That's our first trail marker. See, throughout the Bible, we see God bring judgment against sin and wickedness. We see him come and deal with all of the messed up stuff that's going on in the world. And indeed, Jesus himself and the New Testament taught that when Jesus returns, he is going to bring final judgment on the wicked. And that is part of what is going on here in this passage. You see, earlier in the story, in Deuteronomy chapter 9, the Lord said that it is because of their wickedness that people, like, like the people in Jericho, are being driven out. It is because of their wickedness. This is not a vicious land grab. It's righteous judgment. Additionally, the Israelites themselves were liable to judgment if they turned to the Lord. We, we actually see the warning for that in this passage. And we see later God is actually going to bring judgment on Israel in other stories. This shows us that at Jericho we see God's just judgment. And that this is also not a genocide or ethnic cleansing. Ethnicity has nothing to do with what's going on here. That's trail marker number one. God's judgment on sin. trail marker number two. Limited then, not repeatable today. This destruction was limited in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, we see that it was only people who were in the promised land, people who were in Jericho and other places around it, only they were to be judged in this way. And the reason was so that they would not tempt the nation of Israel to turn away from the Lord. But this is also not repeatable for God's people today. You might have noticed that I used the term nation of Israel. That's not who we are today. You see, that was a unique moment in the history of the people of God. But that's no longer our reality. The church, the people of God, is not a nation state. And so it would be terribly wrong for anyone to try and repeat this today. That's trail marker number two. Limited then and not repeatable today. Our final trail marker is trail marker number three, God's mercy. This passage reminds us that Rahab the Canaanite and her family turned to the Lord and they received his mercy. And the Bible teaches that anyone who turns to the Lord will also receive his mercy. And you all, that is very good news because the truth is that everyone in this room, including myself, have been guilty of sin and we deserve God's judgment. But just like he did with Rahab, God has ultimately provided a way for others to receive mercy. He has sent Jesus into the world so that on the cross, God's judgment for sin landed on his son so that anyone who turns to him might find mercy and be brought into the family of God like Rahab and her family. Again, there is is so much more that we could say about that, but those are three crucial trail markers to help us avoid wandering off the trail to help us reach the meaning of the story, which is what we're going to do right now. So we've seen that the battle of Jericho was commanded by God. Yet this command presented God's people with an incredible challenge. Remember that as they stood before Jericho, Israel was preparing for a literal battle. In verse 1, we saw that there is a city that is fortified against attacks. In verse 2, we learn that the city is held by warriors who are waiting to do battle with Israel. And Joshua and Israel were facing a life and death situation. Oh, and by the way, they were not trained or skilled in how to overthrow a fortified city. And this true story is important for us today. Because just like Israel and Joshua, God's people today face many challenges as we seek to follow Jesus. When my wife Heather and I, when we were living in the D.C. area, I remember hearing a, a, a soldier who was a veteran uh, share a story uh, from a time when he was out on deployment. You see, his unit had been sent out on a mission and it became clear that they might very well face an attack from the enemy. And I can I can still see this man's face. I can still see his eyes as they filled with tears. I can can hear his voice as it began to break a little bit, as he told us that while they were out there facing this, this threat, they received a message that other soldiers from their unit might not be able to come and help them, that they might be left to face this threat from the enemy all by themselves. And I have no doubt that this man was a man of very great courage, but man, no matter how brave we are or how tough we are, when we face situations like that, it can leave us very shaken. Especially when we feel like we might have to face those situations all alone. Today, for Christians, our, our situation is different from Joshua. Our situation is different from this soldier. But at the same time, we still face many challenges as we seek to follow Jesus. Because the truth is that Jesus our Lord, our commander, he has given us some commands that, let's be honest, they're pretty difficult. He's given us commands like, take up your cross and follow me. He's given us commands like, die to yourself as you go and serve God and neighbor in very costly ways. He says, go out and tell other people about me, knowing that you'll go to do this, and in many situations, people will hate you because you're sharing the good news about me. And he also tells us, put on the full armor of God, because you have an enemy who wants to attack you. God's people today face many challenges as we seek to follow Jesus. And the truth is, these challenges can cause us to feel afraid, and we can be tempted to respond in different ways. Some of us, we might try to to downplay the challenge a little bit, and say things like, well, surely, surely Jesus did not mean for me to go that far in serving him. That's, not, that's certainly not what he could have meant. Or we might say, surely he never meant for me to be that uncomfortable. In other situations, we might look at the, at the call of Jesus and say, I'm just going to shoot you straight, God. That's a terrible plan. And I'm going to come up with my own plan of what it looks like to follow Jesus. What's also true, though, is that I know that, that many of you here today, you are seeking to follow Jesus and you are following that call in ways that are beautiful, in ways that are honoring to God. And I know that you're doing it because I've, I've heard your stories and they have been so encouraging to me. But whatever you're coming in here with this morning, whether you're, you're facing the challenges of Jesus and you're tempted to go off the trail or you're just struggling to keep moving forward, the truth is that we all face many challenges in seeking to follow Jesus. And so the question we need to explore this morning is how does the story of Jericho help us face these challenges of following Jesus? Well, to begin the answer to answer this question, we're going to see how this true story is constantly putting our focus on the hero. Kids, let me get your attention for a second. I imagine that many of you, raise your hand, it's okay, raise your hand if you like to, well, wait, let me answer the question first. Raise your hand if you like to, uh, to watch movies with superheroes in them. And, and adult, kids of all ages can raise your hand. If you like to watch movies with superheroes in them, I thought so. I do too. Both hands up. So when, you, when you're watching a, a movie with a superhero, you probably don't need anyone to tell you who the hero of that story is. And the reason you don't need anyone to tell you who the hero of the story is is because it's so obvious. Like if you're watching Spider-Man, the whole movie, you see Spider-Man running all over the place, slinging webs and saving the day. And it's obvious. Someone said, who's the hero of this story? You'd be like, "Uh, seriously, it's Spider-Man or movies like that. Movies are very good at putting our focus on the hero. And that's exactly what this story is doing for us this morning. This story won't let us take our eyes off of the hero. And he shows up in the very first scene. Look with me back in verse 13. You'll see Joshua, he sees a man with a sword in his hand. Now this is while he is near Jericho in enemy territory. And so he asks, are are you here to fight for my side or for my enemy? But look what he said back in verse 14. In chapter 5 he said, no, but I am the commander of the Lord. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. Do you see what just happened? Right from the start of the story, God shows Joshua that he and Israel have not been left to face this battle alone. Now there's a lot of debate about whether this, this commander was an angel or the Lord God himself. But either way, it is clear that the Lord and his army are present with his people. And the spotlight stays on the hero, the Lord, as we move into the next verses. Look with me back in chapter 6, verse 2. He says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. As Joshua and Israel faced the challenge of battle, the Lord assured them that he had given them the victory. Did you catch that? Jericho is still standing Jericho's soldiers are still inside, armed and waiting for Israel. They are armed and dangerous right now. But when God makes a promise for the future, we can consider it as good as done. So we see that the hero is on the scene. He's given his promise, and as the Lord gives the battle plan, it becomes so clear even more that Joshua and Israel will never be alone. Look in verse 3. He says, you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. But it's not just soldiers who are going to be on this march. In verse 4 we read, seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. You hear that word ark. That's talking about the ark of the covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was the physical sign of God's presence with his people. And that Ark is mentioned 10 times in this story. Throughout the whole battle, God is giving Israel a visible sign that God is with them to bring the victory. But the Lord wasn't just announcing his presence with the Ark. In verse 4, we also see that some of the priests had trumpets. Now back then people would often blow a trumpet when a king had arrived to defeat the enemy. And so as Israel marches with the ark, the priests are playing these trumpets to declare that God has arrived to bring judgment on Jericho. And then in verse 5, we see that on the seventh day, after the seventh time around the city, Israel was to shout, and the walls would fall down. Now, about you? But from where I'm sitting, the only way that kind of plan is going to work is if God makes it happen. God was going to be with his people as they face this challenge and leave no doubt in anyone's mind that he had given them the victory. And in verse 20, that is exactly what he does. The trumpet sounds, the people shout, and the walls fall down just as God had promised. God's people were facing an incredible challenge at Jericho, but the Lord was with them, and he gave them the victory. I wonder if there is any Christian here today who is facing some hard challenges and following Jesus. And I wonder if you're you're coming in here with these challenges in the back of your mind and you're, you're hearing this story of God's presence with his people, of him showing up to help them. And I can imagine you'd be sitting there looking at this story and looking at your life and saying, if only God would do that for me today. If only God would show up in the midst of my situation that I'm facing today. You ever felt like that? I know I have. And if you if you're feeling that the Bible has very good news for you. The Bible has very good news because the God who was present with his people at Jericho is the same God we have with us today. And he has ultimately given us his presence through his son, Jesus Christ. You see in Matthew chapter 1 we are told that when Jesus was born, he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that a virgin would bear a son and that he would be called, y'all know this, Emmanuel. You remember what that means, right? It means God with us. And Jesus came to be with us to give us the ultimate victory that all of us need. He came to give us victory over sin and over death. And the way he did it was by allowing himself to face a life and death situation that he was not going to walk away from at least not at first. He allowed himself to be murdered on the cross to pay the penalty for sin. Now I guarantee you, you can go and look in the Bible and it'll, it'll back up what I'm saying here. To his disciples, that looked like a terrible plan. And they were not afraid to tell him that. But what looked like a terrible plan led to the greatest victory in human history. Because you see, after three days in the grave, Jesus kicked down the door of death and he came out the ultimate champion of the universe and then he comes to people who believe in him by faith and if we are trusting in him by faith you can know that you get to share in that victory because he has snapped the chains of death and sin that have held you captive and set you free so that you share in that victory today but if you look around you know there's still probably some more victory to be tasted And that there is going to be more victory to be experienced in the future. And the Bible tells us that because, you see, Jericho, Jericho is not the only place in the Bible where we hear the trumpet and a mighty shout. In the New Testament, in Thessalonians chapter 4, we are told that when Jesus returns again, listen to what it's going to be like. He says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And on that day when Jesus returns, he will make his victory complete and bring his people into our final, perfect, eternal home. And just like God's promise that all the walls of Jericho would fall, we can count on the fulfillment of all these promises in the future. Now that day is not yet here, and we don't know how long we're going to have to wait But no matter how long the wait or how tough the challenges we might face as we follow Jesus, we know that we do not face them alone. Because what we know, based on the Bible, is that there will never be a day when God calls you up on the radio and says, I am so sorry, but I cannot send reinforcements to help you. We will never get a call like that soldier received on deployment. Because the last thing that Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28 was I am with you always to the end of the age. Maybe I'd say, well, well Andrew, I look around and I don't, I don't see Jesus with me. So what's up with that? And what we see is in other places, Jesus says, "Oh, I'll be with you. I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. He's not just going to be with you. He's going to live inside of you. He's going to remind you of all these things that I've told you. He's going to speak to your heart and remind you who you are, that you belong to me and that you are not alone. He is with us. And you all, that shapes us. That changes us. That changes everything. It shapes us to trust and follow our God as Joshua and the Israelites did at Jericho. It leads us to live a life of following the hero by faith. And that's our second and last point. If you're feeling nervous, don't worry. Point number two is way shorter than point number one. (laughs) Point number one, we've put our focus on the hero. The last few minutes, we're going to look at following the hero by faith. Throughout this whole story, we see, by God's grace, the people following the Lord. Back in chapter 5, verse 14, Joshua recognizes he is in the presence of one of greater authority, and he humbles himself. And throughout the story, he himself obeys the Lord's commands and leads the people to do likewise. After receiving his orders in chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, if you go back and read 6 through 16, you see Joshua leading the people to follow all of those commands together. And at the climax in verse 20, the people demonstrate faith and obedience as they follow the Lord's command to shout. They had the promise. They believed the promise. And by faith, they obeyed the command. And in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30, it looks back on this event. It looks back on this event and it calls it out as an example of faith for all of us to follow today. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. You all, the the actions of Joshua and of Israel are a model for our lives today. We are also called to follow our hero by faith. Sometimes it will be challenging. Sometimes his plan might be a little bit or a way lot different than what we might have come up with. But as we reflect on the battle of Jericho, we know that God's path is wise and trustworthy. We know that our hero is with us, and we know that he has given the ultimate victory. So by his grace, let us keep our focus on our hero and follow him obediently by faith, no matter what challenges we may face. Amen. Let's ask him to help us do that right now. Lord, we thank you that you are with us, that you are with us, that you came to be with us and live a perfect life in a very difficult world, that there's no challenge we have ever faced, that you have not faced yourself. And you gave your life to give us life. You suffered what looked like defeat so that we could have victory. Lord, thank you that you are with us. Lord, it is easy to, to take this passage apart and to, to get what it means intellectually. Lord, help us to believe it deep in our hearts. And use your word now to help us follow you by faith all of our days. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.